0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Lots of remote workers are heading back to the office, but things are not the same as when they left. The pandemic has forced us to rethink major things that we previously took for granted, like how work impacts our mental health. So today we are taking a closer look at what employees are up against right now, and we'll also learn how to advocate for emotional well-being on the clock. Now, to help us walk through this topic, we are joined by clinical psychologist Dr. Jody Adwali. He's also a medical advisor for the Made of Millions Foundation, a global mental health advocacy nonprofit. Dr. Jody, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being here with you today.
0: Also with us is Emma Goldberg, a New York Times reporter covering the future of work. Hey, Emma.
2: Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me on.
0: We'll start with you. Tell us what you're hearing from employees who are heading back to the office or ones who have recently returned.
2: Definitely. There are a lot of heightened emotions around the prospect of returning to the office. And I think that makes sense given that people's lives and work routines have been upended for the last two years. Um, I like to think of it as a sort of 50 million person experiment in changing the way we work, where we were used to just sitting at our desks for you know, nine to five every day, and suddenly people's schedules were rearranged, their work patterns are rearranged. And some people are understandably anxious about reverting back to some of the norms that had structured their workplaces back before the pandemic. Mm
0: -hmm. You mentioned that big number there a moment ago, Emma, give us a sense of how many people are going back.
2: I think what's crucial to remember is that a lot of people, the majority of American workers, were not able to work from home for most of the pandemic. So at the height of pandemic lockdowns in May 2020, 35% of workers were at least part-time working from home because of COVID. Um, now that, that share is down to about 10% of the workforce. Um, so it's, you know, it's it's not it's not everyone. It's, it's a pretty small sliver of American workers, yeah. probably about 16 million people. Wow. Um, But of that 16 million, they've really experienced some fundamental changes in the way they work.
0: Dr. Jody, I'm wondering if you can talk more to that mindset shift that that folks are experiencing when they do come back to the office.
1: Yes, yes, there's in sort of clinical terms, we call it adjustment disorder. Not everyone who's going back to the workplace or leaving the workplace is going to have adjustment disorder, but this, this speaks to the idea that as we adjust from one phase, to our lo- to a, one phase of our life to the next, mental health concerns could p- start popping up. The majority of these concerns look like anxiety, depression, sometimes anger, sometimes panic attacks. Um, it, it's really important to note that the Oracle group put on a study that said 70% of the workforce said this has been the most stressful two years years of their entire life, and 78 said, 78% seventy-eight said it impacted their mental health. Wow. So I'm seeing a lot of people struggling to adjust back to a sort of, we'll call it normal in quotations, uh, a normal way of working. There's there's a there's a term called pandemic flux syndrome, and it's the idea that in a pandemic, sometimes we adjust our lives to fit the lifestyle uh, that we're living in the pandemic, and sometimes it can cause us stress to go back to a post-pandemic life. Some people feel comp- have adjusted to feeling isolated, have adjusted not going to those work, you know, luncheons or those work parties. Mm. So it's important to look out for stress, anxiety, depression, possible panic attacks, possible anger that might come with adjusting back to a quote-unquote normal way of living. Right, I
0: see. And Emma, you've written about some of these specifics as well. So as, as the doctor was pointing out, you know, giving up habits that they had formed at home, um, you write even about, you know, facing slights or, you know, insensitive comments and clicks in the workplace.
2: Yeah, we, we did a call out to about 700 people on um, how they were feeling about returning to the office. And there were just myriad concerns people raised. Everything from the habits they built about, about, around being able to exercise in the middle of the day, cook themselves a healthy lunch, spend the afternoon taking care of their children. Um, but But really, the social and cultural aspects of the office is another extremely emotional issue that people raised. I interviewed One woman who had the experience um, that when she was in her office, there was this kind of uh, predominantly white clique of coworkers who she felt were not really inclusive to her. And um, as a result, she had trouble getting the raises and promotions that she was advocating for because her coworkers were excluding her from their conversations and their office community. And then when she went to working from home, she um, all of a sudden got a promotion and an 11 percent raise. Wow. So she said when she was working from home, she was able to actually focus on the work and not just kind of jostling um, to get into office in groups.
0: Let's hear from Raymond, who's just called in from Lansing. Hi, Raymond. Welcome to the show. I'm How are you? Doing well. How are you feeling about returning to work?
3: Well, we never stopped working. We stopped maybe for the initial three months of the pandemic. Uh, maybe what do you do?
0: Making.
3: I'm a school photographer. I work ah. for a national company that takes school pictures.
0: Yeah, you never stopped. I, 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 I can account for that. My, my kids were still taking photos and, and okay. all of that. Yeah. And yeah. So, so how does it feel, you know, knowing that you didn't really get that opportunity? Were well, you okay with
3: fine. that? I mean, it's fine with me. It's just, for me, it was more or less I got a good look at the company because it seems like the company's more driven about the dollar than about the employee these days. Uh, they really wanted us out in the field. And at that point, when the pandemic first started, after those first three months, everyone was, you know, afraid. Oh, yeah. And uh, we were out there, you know, six feet apart from each other. Uh, I see. Have you ever had to put a group of children together uh, six feet apart from each other where we used to have to, you know, you'd do a group photo right on the stage there. Right. We have to get up on a 20-foot ladder and do that now.
0: Oh, my goodness. That is not how I remember the school photo back in the day. Thanks for sharing that, Raymond. Appreciate your call. Uh, Dr. Jody. you talked earlier about the anxiety Uh, and uh, panic attacks even that uh, folks are are feeling when they uh, have to return to the office. What advice do you have for people dealing with that?
1: So one is to know the resources in your company. Most companies have some type of health insurance or type of, some type of employment assistant program that you can seek out mental health support outside of the work. But it's also important to take, take this time as a fresh restart for your boundaries. It's important for employees to know that they have a lot of power in the workforce. They can request and ask for adjustments that fit sort of with their lifestyle, what's, what's specifically happening with them. As you're going back into the workplace, ask yourself, what are some things I need to change? are some boundaries I can start to set as opposed to just letting the work consume your life. Another important topic is um, separate your identity from your work. It's very common when you ask someone, what do you do? I mean, tell me about yourself. Oh, I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. I'm a teacher. We start to internalize our work as a part of our identity. And when we do that, if things aren't going well at work, we start to get stressed. So remind yourself that work is something you do. It is not who you are. The last thing I would encourage you to do is recognize the signs of burnout early. The earlier you can recognize the signs that burnout is there, the easier it is to make adjustments. If burnout becomes too severe, the reaction or the uh, the treatment becomes uh, more intense. Sometimes it's going on disability or even leaving the job or taking months off. So uh, the stress can manifest in your physical body. It can manifest in your emotions. It can manifest in your behavior. It can manifest in your thinking. So really ask yourself, where is the stress manifesting in myself and how much self care am i doing that word's thrown around a lot self-care but it's really important to make sure you're really taking care of yourself outside of the work
0: you know it can really feel uncomfortable to to open up to a, a colleague or to your manager about these mental health struggles doctor so what do you recommend as a first step
1: it's very um, it's very difficult, especially with all the stigma. I've heard people tell me they don't don't want to bring it up. They'll be afraid to pass. They'll be afraid to pass up on a promotion. You don't have to treat the workplace as your therapist, or psychiatrist. You can let the work know, hey, I'm really stressed right now. All of us on this planet will deal with stress. You can also say, hey, I'm dealing with a, with a lack of bandwidth right now. There's some changes that need to be made. If you can communicate it in that way, that that's absolutely appropriate. If you feel comfortable, you can find someone in the workplace that you trust and start to let them know, hey, I'm struggling with some emotion or some you know mental health concerns mm-hmm. but you don't have to tell the entire workplace that's confident that's your confidential business but phrase it in a way of i'm stressed or i'm dealing with a lack of bandwidth can help start that conversation
0: this is reset i'm sasha ann simons we are digging into the mental health impact of returning to the office for employees who spent much of the pandemic working remotely, our guests are clinical psychologist Dr. Jody Adwali and Emmy, Emma Goldberg, uh, New York Times reporter covering the future of work. Emma, was it actually good for mental health for the folks who were at home all this time? I remember you writing about the third shift that uh, remote workers end up taking where, you know, they're kind of answering emails at ridiculous times like 2.30 in the morning.
2: Yes, there definitely has been, I think for a lot of people, a blurring of the boundary between um, their work life and their personal life because um, having a physical separation between those two things helps a lot of people create a mental separation as well. So when they pack up their things and commute home at the end of the day, that's when they shift into their their personal life. And there's some really interesting research from Microsoft that shows that the workday used to have these two peaks of productivity. One was kind of mid-morning before lunch, and the other one was um, the afternoon after lunch. Now it's got three peaks. So it, when, mm-hmm. when they look at people's computer keystrokes, there's another peak of productivity that happens after dinner around 9 p.m. because people hmm. maybe ran some errands or attended to some child care in the afternoon and they're making up for that in the evening. That being said, I think that's actually been a, a, a boon, too, for some people's mental health, um, especially for caretakers and working parents. And um, actually, there's uh, the research indicates that working parents are much more likely to um, to want some flexibility going forward, to want some option to work remotely. Um, some really interesting research from uh, from the research group Future Forum found that 50% of working mothers um, reported wanting to work remotely most or all the time, yeah. compared with 43% of fathers. Yeah. So for those working mothers, the remote work and the flexibility has been a real boon.
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, doctor, picking up on, on where Emma left off there, what's your advice then to managers? What do they need to do to create a, a more mentally healthy workplace?
1: Yeah so one uh, Amy Edmondson, a Harvard Business School professor coined the term psychological safety in the workplace and it's very incumbent on uh, managers to ask yourself am I doing anything that's contributing to a sense of psychological safety we put a lot of emphasis on physical safety you shouldn't touch people you know you shouldn't you know bring act violent in the workplace but psychological safety gets put to the side so you might not be able to change the culture of the entire company but you could change the culture of your work, of, the, of the people in your circles this might look like owning up to your own mistakes this might look like um, if you're taking time off for your mental health, you know, communicating that to your staff and letting them know. It's also important for um, managers to recognize that productivity is di- directly tied to the the mental health of the people that are working there. The, uh, the, if a company can take the mindset that putting the, mind, the mental health of uh, the employees first, you know, it, it really does help the bottom line. So I think it's a mindset switch and creating a sense of psychological safety, but being open to your you know, t- letting people know you're taking time off for yeah. your mental health and promoting mental health days. I'm not talking about taking weeks or months off, but promoting to the staff that it's okay to take time off if you just need a break. If, yeah. if, if it, Even if it's just one day a month, you'll know, be open to that as opposed to pro- saying it and, and not, not, not following up with it. There's a yeah. lot of stigma associated with taking mental health days. And lastly, knowing the resources in the company that support people's mental health. I think it's important for every manager to know what yeah. are the resources there referral sometimes is the best
0: thing very important let's squeeze in one final caller in the few seconds we have here's anwar from flossmore hey anwar your quick comment you there oh no i think we lost him dr jody before we go quick resources that you can offer as far as folks you know who are possibly looking for counseling
1: through work Mm. so uh a really good place to go is to the your insurance card. If you have insurance, there's a phone number on the back of your insurance card. You can call them. They'll give you a list of resources in your area. You can also go to psychologytoday.com, type in your zip code. You'll find all, all the therapists in the area. There's another good great company in San Francisco called Modern Health that really focuses on mental health in the workplace. And you can go to their website and find some really good resources there as well.
0: If you called and didn't get through our our number for the, the voicemail inbox, if you'd like to leave a voicemail, is triple eight nine one five nine nine four five. Again, give us your comments on our voicemail at triple eight nine one five nine nine four five. That's clinical psychologist Dr. Jody Adwali and New York Times reporter Emma Goldberg. Thank you both. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast WBEZ's Reset wherever you listen.